Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. Jesus. It's, it's a prophetic service this morning. And um, the Lord will have us act like heaven over the tribe. He would have us rejoice over the tribe like he would, like he is. But before we go there, I'll just like to establish us in some doctrine. So whilst we're still standing, you would have to indulge me. Amen. Hi. There are four dimensions to God's word. Four dimensions. There is the eternal dimension of God's word. That is, God's word is eternal. Amen. Psalms 119 and verse 89. Forever, O God, your word is settled in that eternal realm. Ever before light became, his word was in the beginning was the word and that beginning is before the beginning he was and the word was with god and the word was god so there's the eternal dimension to god's word now when we teach the word of god in that eternal dimension it feels very abstract and esoteric very vague because it's in a realm that is outside of the three-dimensional realm that we're familiar with and so god's word has to be deconstructed from that eternal realm to a more relatable realm so the next dimension of god's word is that it is dispensational hebrews 11 verse 3 says for by faith you understand that the worlds were framed by the word of god and so the word worlds right there is aeons and aeons means dispensations ages a, an aggregation of time within the timeline of humanity do you see so that's a dispensation and we know that the word of god is what frames and forms dispensations passage of the, a chunk of time in the timeline of humanity it is God's word that actually puts frame to it he changes times and seasons through the instrument of his word and so we know God's word is dispensational the next dimension is the fact that God's word is generational that is God's word has to cease from being eternal dispensational to begin to speak to a specific generation time romans 15 13 that all things that were written aforetime were written for our learning so that we through the comfort of scripture can have hope for our own generation whatever patterns we have seen in dispensations past is supposed to give us some strategy for how we are supposed to position for the supernatural in our own generation however however powerful the eternal dimension of god's word is dispensational dimension of god's word is or the generational dimension of god's word is there's still not the strongest application to god's word because god's word beyond being eternal dispensational and generational it must become personal until God's word ceases to be eternal all right dispensational vague esoteric until you trap it into the realities of your own everyday life that word will never have any form of impact in your life he says let God be 
true in your life and everybody else a liar and it is only people who have trapped and deconstructed the eternal weight of God's word into their own personal experience that can actually become transgenerational that is it takes a David who says everybody comes to know you on a large scale so we are coming we are sacrificing to you we are meeting with Levites and priests and bringing offerings and goats and lambs and eels and all these things but hey I'm tired of all these ceremonies I want to know you God I want to know you I want to personalize you the first person that used the word holy spirit in scripture is david he said i want to know you as the deer pants after water he personalized god and what happened with david even though he personalized god he knew god on a personal level he deconstructed the eternal unseen you know mover you know that moses said or that god told moses that he could not see and live david got to know this god and he said he was the man after his own heart and this david ceased to just become a personal guy having a personal relationship with God. He became an example to a generation. And then he became a pattern to a dispensation. And even now he is a legacy in the eternal corridors of heaven. But he started with deconstructing this eternal vague concept of the word to a personal applicable context. Praise the name of the Lord. Because in that eternal realm, God's word is settled. In the dispensational realm, God's word becomes a pattern. In the generational realm, God's word becomes a command. But in the personal realm, it must become a witness. People must be able to see what God is. In that abstract sense, they must be able to see it lived out in the life and ministry of a real human being. Then they can pattern their lives after you. That is how it works. And so the most powerful dimension of God's word... It's not that eternal one. It doesn't bless anybody. It's just there. It's settled. Whether you believe it or not, it's settled. It does not change your experience because it is settled. Until God's word becomes personal, you don't even understand what it means. And you see, one thing, and the first thing God will tell us to steward as a people, because that's the direction of my teaching today. The first thing he will tell us to steward is his word. He will tell you to steward his word. What did Adam fail at? He failed at the stewardship of the instruction given to him. The word of God given to him to steward the garden, steward the earth, steward his wife. He, he failed at stewarding that word. If you fail at the stewardship of the word, you will fail at every level of stewardship. He failed at the level of stewarding the word of God. And there is a prophetic word he has given to us in this season as a people. You see, the word or the number four is very, very prophetic in scripture. You see, four literally signals the end of a cycle and the beginning of another. That's why we have four seasons. I perhaps believe it's one of the reasons why we have four years for a tenure. All right, 400 years the children of Israel were supposed to spend in Egypt. 40 days, all right, of fasting and prayer repeated across Moses and Jesus. So four is very pivotal in the grand scheme of things. And now that I've gotten to the fourth year, it's a new cycle of the supernatural about to break forth in our lives. It's a new season. And there are no seasons without signs. And you wonder, why does God repeat the signs every year? You should already know by now that it is dry season, it is rainy season, it is spring, autumn, spring. All the, the signs always show to prepare us they always show to prepare us amen they always show to prepare us so that we can kick into preparation mode 
<laughs> and what is the sign of this season? The sign of anything God wants to do is his word. So he will herald any performance of his with his word. He will say he will do it. Then he will do it. He doesn't just do. He will say he will do. So Isaiah chapter 43 from verse 18. It says forget not the old things. The former things. Don't even consider them. It says behold I will do a new thing. It says shall he not spring forth. I will make a way in the wilderness. And rivers in the desert. That's the sign God sends. Before he does any supernatural performance, he sends his word as the sign. Now, there was a man who doubted the sign. He said, even if God opens the windows of heaven, he said, whatever you are saying will happen, will not happen. <laughs> and uh, the prophet told him by the spirit and said, you will see it, but you will not experience it. And as I began to meditate on this particular verse of scripture, the Lord dropped a song in my heart. Because that is the prophetic song that opens the next cycle for us. Amen. We will not just see it. We will experience it. We will. We will. You will see the glory of the Lord in the land of the living. He said, I will not die but live. To see, to declare, to manifest, to actually be at the center of the manifestation of the will of God for my generation. I will not die but live. I don't know which key you are on. But try to find me wherever I am. <laughs> I will see the glory of the Lord. Oh, let's 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 make it corporate. We will see the glory of the Lord in the land of the living. We will see the glory of the Lord. Are you ready? We will see the glory of the Lord in the land of the living. We will see the glory of the Lord. Have you found it? We will see the glory of the Lord. I know the drums to be more. In the land of the living, we will see the glory of the Lord. We will see the glory. We will see the glory of the Lord. Sing with all of your heart. That's another part. I will not die but live to see the glory. I shall not die but live. To see the glory, I shall not die but live. To see, to see the glory, we shall not die but live. To see, to see the glory, we will see the glory of the Lord in the land of the living. We will see. Raise that voice right now and declare it as a prophecy over your life. We will see the glory of the Lord. Oh, oh in the land of the living, we will see the glory of the Lord. We shall not die, we shall not die. We shall not die, but live 
to see the glory. We shall not die. We shall not die, but live to see the glory. We shall not die. E kilo me kaporua sitalia na makaya. Shele teba. Oh, oh, we will see the glory of the Lord in the land of the living. We will see the glory. Raise your voice for the last time. We shall see the glory of the Lord. We will see the glory of the Lord in the land of the living. We will see the glory of the Lord. Raise your hand right now like a funnel and receive the blessing. Every single thing the Lord has earmarked for you. Every single thing the Lord has here marked for you this season, this new season, you will see it, you will manifest it, you will proclaim it, you will publish it, you will exude it, you will distribute it, you will propagate it in the name of Jesus. Do not think that the next few months is too short for God to do what perhaps may have pended till this time. There is a new cycle now. There is a new cycle now. There is a new cycle. There is a new cycle. And what heralds the supernatural is the word of God. Shall these bones leave? Shall these bones leave? The prophet asked God and God asked the prophet, Shall these bones leave? And the prophet said, You Lord know. And he said, You prophesy. When you prophesy, possibilities erupt. Possibilities. Dry bones come together. Sinew to sinew, they come together. And I prophesy over us as a tribe, as a people right now in the name of Jesus. All the potential that God has placed in our spirits, it begins to express itself this season over and above all we could ever ask or think. In the name of Jesus. We shall see the glory of the Lord. We shall herald the glory of the Lord. We shall shine because our light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon us. Father, we give you praise. We open the next season of our lives. We open it up in the name of the Father. We open it up in the name of the Son. We open it up in the name of the Holy Ghost. And we around it to the shout. <laughs> glory to Jesus. Father, we give you praise. Thank you. Thank you. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Before we have our seats, it will be my honor to celebrate Pastor Mike.
which is also a sign amen which is also a sign that we have come full circle it's a sign it's a sign that we have come full circle full circle full circle you know remarkable work p mike has been doing in the city of hall in the united kingdom supernatural things happening at the behest of grace thank you so much for fellowshipping with us today <laughs> can you celebrate p mike once again and let's have our seats let's have our seats in god's presence hallelujah amen wow 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 amen are you ready for god's word hallelujah wow god's word is eternal god's word is uh, but a little but a little god's word is eternal god's word is and then and then absolutely second timothy 3 16 all scripture is given by inspiration and it is profitable for reproof for rebuke for instructions and in righteousness he said that the man of god can be thoroughly furnished prepared unto every good work so god's word must transcend eternal dispensational generational to become personal the man of god so that it can be equipped he can be equipped and prepared unto every every good work so enough of coming to church and receiving a dispensational eternal generational word from the pulpit you've got to personalize it what is god saying to me to me what are the things that he has spoken to my own heart enough of having a corporate relationship with god there is the purpose of being in a community but even whilst we're having that corporate experience we must not cease to have our own personal encounters even in the midst of the people we mustn't because when the lord met with paul the different people heard different things but it was one experience for one man everybody else was just a cast in his own movie and so some said they saw a light some said they, they heard a voice but what did paul say because the message was for paul so whilst everybody is gathered and god is speaking he may actually have come to speak just for you and everybody's just a support cast you must have the capacity and the internal infrastructure to deconstruct whatever it is you're hearing and bring it into a personal context this is what god is telling me now and that's so powerful that that eternal dimension of god's word can size your heart the bible said he has placed what eternity in the heart of men he has placed that eternal infrastructure he has condensed it into something a heart can accommodate wow your heart is not going to bust <laughs> it will hold it in even though it's the eternal word of god it will hold it all in your heart is that powerful so use your heart for the right reason for which it was created it is to host the power in god's word amen genesis chapter 2 um today we'll start off another stream <laughs> under the tributary under the river <laughs> <laughs> under the sea <laughs> all right we've been on the wow series for the last 35 weeks 
So this is the 35th installment, and we've extensively discussed on leadership uh, in, in the last maybe about seven to eight installments. And there is another segment under leadership that we're going to be going into now. Yes, and by the grace of God, we'll be talking more for the next few, few weeks on stewardship and management. Stewardship and management. Stewardship and management, which is a segment under leadership. Stewardship and management. All right? But that's not the title of my teaching. The title of my teaching is Dress Up. <laughs> the title of my teaching is Dress Up, but of course, it centers around the theme stewardship and management. Mm. The failure of Adam was a failure in stewardship. That was the failure of Adam. It was a failure in stewardship. And it's important that we understand the expectation of the Father when it comes to stewardship. What is stewardship? All right. Uh, the Holy Spirit gave me a very powerful, you know, definition yesterday while I was just ruminating over this. He said, stewardship is the preservation of the expectation of the master until he returns. Stewardship is the preservation of the expectation of the Father until he returns so stewardship already presupposes all right based on that definition that you are not an owner there is a master that gave you some resources and he expects you to preserve his expectation you see because in some context the expectation would be to increase in some context the expectation will just reserve and preserve the integrity of that for example if i give my child all right to to steward i don't expect it to increase <laughs> i don't expect you to keep power him no 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 him for now did i say for now no <laughs> to keep her right in good shape whole nothing missing nothing broken that is stewardship in that context but if i give you money i'm not saying keep it increase it so stewardship depending on what is given by the master will take on different forms of expectations per time and so a true steward is jd his mandate is to preserve the expectation of the master until he returns that's stewardship and you see, the failure of any people would always be a failure that begins from stewardship. And so imagine what God did for Adam. God went on a six-day creation streak. First day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day. He was just creating stuff all for Adam. By the time he was done creating, he put man in the middle. He said, have dominion over the fish or over the birds over the fish and over everything that creeps and he put him in the middle as the jigsaw or, or as the hub that controls the entire dynamic of the ecosystem of the earth he said have dominion he created everything before creating man and he put him in charge of everything and he gave him an instruction dress and keep dress and keep in fact, before then, in verse 5, Genesis 2, you see, Bible says that rain had not been caused to fall upon the earth, all right, because there was no man to till the ground. And that's very powerful because rain is symbolic of the blessing and increase and the blessing of God upon a man's life. And so the Bible is saying there, inadvertently, that there are some rains that are being prevented from coming on you because you are not a man that can till. You are not a man that can till. So God prevented the rain from descending because there was no man to till. 
The idea that God must do everything for you is abusive to you. You don't understand. You see, it is abusive for God to do everything for the workmanship he created in his likeness and image. It is respect for the thing he has placed in you to leave some things for you to contribute. If he takes up your role and begins to do it for you, he's abusing you. But you are calling it a blessing. He will do everything and leave a portion of work for you to come and come. Because that is where your dignity lies. If he takes everything, you are only an accessory. You have no principal agency. You have become an accessory that he has just put as an appendage to the creation. You are just like the flowers. You are just like, because you don't contribute anymore. You are just part of the setup. So he leaves a portion and says, you are the man. Fill this void. And in the filling of that void, you come into your capacity as a God. Who has creative potential. Who can create after his likeness, quote unquote, and after his own image and his imagination. He can make things out of nothing. And to the extent that we expect God to come and take over every single dimension of our lives and be the manager, the creator, and the steward all at the same time, we are no longer useful. And it's an abuse of workmanship for God to do everything for the one he has created in his image and after his own likeness. We are not like anything else he has created. We're not like anything else he has created. But for man, he gave him assignments. And it is in that assignment that he finds his purpose. It's in that assignment that he finds his own meaning. Imagine he just created man and he says, sit down there. Sit pretty. Cross your leg. That's your purpose. Just stay there like that. Imagine that was all he gave man to do. And then he continues to do the creation. Feeds him in the morning. All right, baits him and all that. What kind of a man would that be? That would be a toy. Not a man. And so there is a demand of God upon your life to steward anything. He has placed in your care. The only appropriate disposition to God's resources is stewardship. That's the only appropriate disposition to anything that came from God to you. The only appropriate disposition that you must have to that thing that he has given you is stewardship. And a steward is not an owner. A steward is the preserver of the expectation of the master until he returns. A steward must do everything in his power to ensure that that which the father expects to see when he comes back, he sees it. Mm. That which the master expects to see upon his return, he must see it. And so it's important that we understand that. Hallelujah. Wow. And the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. To dress it up and to keep it up. Amen. In short, the instruction God gave Adam was to steward the garden. His stewardship of the garden was going to determine the nature of the spread because the blessing included multiplication and expansion. And so when God said in Genesis 1 that be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, you see those were the words that he used to govern the assignment that he had given unto man. And whatever man was going to do to ensure that the expectation of the father based on that blessing was propagated. Whatever man was going to do to ensure that that is preserved, the expectation of the master, whatever that was, was going to be stewardship. Whatever that was, whatever it is that man has to do to preserve the expectation of the father over every single thing that has been committed to the man, that was going to be stewardship. And Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, from verse 2, he said, it is required in stewards that a man 
is found faithful. And this is the exact same word used in Galatians 5 and verse 22. That now the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, temperance. And he uses the word faith. But the word faith there is not the faith that we have in Hebrews 11. He's talking about faithfulness. The ability to keep God. And to do exactly what is expected of you as a servant. In fact, the, the most highly rated quality in heaven is faithfulness. That's the only quality God will add to your servanthood. When you see him on that great day. Thou what? Good and what? Faithful servant. It's the stewardship. But you see, one of the major movements and quite destructive movements in our generation is the movement that personalizes things. It is the movement of ownership. <laughs> a steward cannot have an ownership mentality. You are not an owner. You are a steward. And you see, because you are a steward, you've got to always visit with the template of the owner to ask, how must this resource you have given me be used? But you see, we are in that space where everything, I mean, it's my life, it's my car, it's my job, it's my time, it's my body, me too movements. So it's all about me and my capacity to protect myself and to own myself and own my decisions. Your job is to steward. Your job is to steward. What have you received that God did not give you? Count it. Just try and count it. What you have that you were not given by God. And if you are given, why act as if you are not given? Why act as if you own your life? You own your beauty. You own your money. You own your relationships. You own your love. You own your heart. <laughs> Says my heart. <laughs> it's not your heart. When it breaks now, you, you, come, you come crying. It's not just your heart. Because there's a people that we cry because you are crying. So it's not just, it's our heart. <laughs> you have no idea the things that pastors go through. Honestly. If you did, you'll be bringing tissue box every Sunday. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Stewardship. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. What does it mean to be faithful? And what, 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 are, what are the things that are expected of a steward? And I'll just share these three things while we move along. Some of the signs that you are... You see, some of the indicators of bad stewardship are these three things. And of course, they also inadvertently are the signs of good stewardship as well because the purpose of stewardship are three major things number one growth number two beauty number three glory number one growth number two beauty number three glory all right and when there's growth and there's beauty there will be glory Number one, growth. Number two, beauty. And number three, glory. And so whenever you see that there seems to be a deficiency in growth or in beauty, which inadvertently affects the capacity for glory, it is an indicator of a deficiency in stewardship. Because God's expectation for every steward is that he's faithful. And when a steward is faithful, these three things will happen. Things will grow under him. Things will be beautified with him. Things will have glory with him amen you can know when a woman has been a good steward of her husband amen i won't say more than that <laughs> praise god you will just see the glory you will see something and of course you can tell also when a man is a good steward of her of his wife 
something will just begin to change. You know, PMAC is about to become a steward. <laughs> I mean, Sir Rachel, a stewardess. Yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> a steward. Adam failed at stewarding anything. He didn't steward the word. He didn't steward the garden. He didn't steward his wife. And when Robert hit the road and then God came for some accountability, he, he put all the responsibility back on God and said, it was you that gave me all these things. And that's the language of people who are not stewards. When it's time to take the pleasure component of every responsibility, they are there first. And when it's time to take responsibility for every decision and consequence, they are the first to get, get themselves excused. And they begin to blame everybody, especially the last person they should be talking to anyhow. <laughs> he looked at your need, and he didn't even still force her on you. He brought her to you. You chose with your mouth. Is that prophesying? <laughs> Behold, woman, the flesh of my flesh. Born of, nobody told you anything. Nobody gave you any scripture. Just like jabbering. Then you, you lambanot finish. You did all things. And then you are now saying, uh, because now there's a consequence to, to face. There's a tune of the music to face. And now you're saying it was God who gave you a wife. Wow. <laughs> wow. Stewardship is a very important. And then, you know, recently... I was listening to the, the speakers at the platform, and I realized that it's still the same thing, right? <laughs> it's still the same issue. The fact that we're one of the most blessed nations in the world. In the world. We are about the most blessed nation in the world. If it's about size, we've got it. If it's about human capital resource, we have it. If it's about mineral resources, we have, we have pretty much everything to eliminate all our excuses. Yet... Nations that started out on deserts, nations that started out on the water, that were squatting with Malaysia in Singapore, right? These are the nations that are in the top three economies in the world. Yet we have everything as far as resources go, but stewardship has always been a challenge. The ability to be faithful with that which you have been given, the ability to be faithful. And so when you see that there is no growth in a space, there is no beauty in that space, and there is no glory in that space, it's always an indicator of a lack of stewardship, of proper stewardship. And it is required in stewards that a man is found faithful. The first principle of stewardship. Remember, I've mentioned the three indicators of stewardship or the lack of it. Now we're going to the principles of stewardship. The first principle of stewardship is stock counting or you can call it accountability or inventory taken. Amen? Amen. Are we together? So let's, let's, let's talk about accountability for a moment. What does it mean to be accountable? What is accountability? Accountability is your ability to count your ability. <laughs> accountability is to count your ability. That's, that's accountability. You must, you see, you cannot be faithful over a resource you are not aware of. You cannot be faithful over a resource you have not counted. Over 25% of Jesus' parables were about money, stewardship, something about, you know, keeping, guarding, being faithful with something. And if you want to extend the boundaries beyond money, it's probably pretty much every of his parable because it had to do with preserving something, being faithful with something. It had to do with stewardship. It may not be about money entirely, but about 25 is about money particularly. But if you extend the boundaries of the thing to extend beyond just money, you will find out that almost every of Jesus' parables had to do with stewardship. Everything. And the first law of, of stewardship is accountability. Your ability to count what you have. Can you 
are you even aware of what you have? That's the beginning of accountability. If you're not able to count your ability, you couldn't possibly be a steward over it. You won't even know when it is missing. You won't even know when it is stolen. You won't know when it has fallen on the wayside. And so Jesus knew that one was missing because he was counting every day. So when one left the group of 100, he knew that they are now 99. If you had one out of 100 missing in your flock, will you notice? It is the awareness of that shepherd. It is the ability to count. The ability to measure. And this is what pretty much every successful organization is built upon. Data. How well do we know what we have and what we do and what we, what we, what we own? How well do we know it? What's, what's the data saying? You've got to be someone who is pretty much obsessed with data. You've got to be accountable. Because you see, the first part of the accountability is knowing what you have. And then the second leg of the accountability is reporting what you have made out of what you had. But you can't report what you didn't even account for to start with. What you couldn't reckon. What you couldn't count as your ability. And if I'm going to ask you now, can you account for the abilities that God has placed in your life? Can you account for them? Can you account? Can you begin to count the things that God has placed and blessed you with? The things that God has empowered you with? Your capacity, your abilities, your gift, your talent. He gave some five and the need was five. He gave another two, the need was two. He gave another one and he knew it was one. That's the beginning of accountability. Counting your ability. Counting that which God has blessed you with. And you see, until you learn how to count your ability, every other person's ability becomes more impressive. Until you have learned how to count your own ability. You would always be wishing you had somebody else's ability. Because one thing about counting is that you reckon. You reckon, you acknowledge, I have this one. And it makes you grateful. Because you could have not had it. But now you have it, you acknowledge it. You grow in the, in the confidence of using that ability. Because you have acknowledged it. You focus on what you have. So way before there is a reporting side to accountability, there is the acknowledgement side of accountability. There's the reckoning side of accountability. What do I have? What do I own? What do I, what have I been blessed with? What has God given to me on a platter of grace and mercy? But grace and mercy will not convert it. Grace and mercy gave it to you. But you must work it out. You must acknowledge it. You must be accountable for it. You must count it. Because when you count it, then you can have a strategic plan for how it can be multiplied. Because God expects, the first thing he told man is be fruitful. The first thing. So you are a man, you are a woman, and nothing is growing. And you think it's okay. The first command to man is be fruitful. Increase. Then he says more than increase. Multiply. That is, the increase should no longer be additional at some point. There must not become multiplicative. There must be an X factor to it. It must become geometric exponential then after that he says replenish the earth spread everywhere after that he says subdue it and he said have dominion wow everything about the mandate that god gave man in, involved increasing explosively growing at an alarming rate yes but sometimes we 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 make god into something he's not say so god just wants me to be this small guy in this small place doing this small thing for the next 30 years. You go to some of your houses that you grew up in and you'll see a kiosk that was there when you were born and it's still there. 
it's, it's something your spirit hates. All right? There must be a holy dissatisfaction, dissatisfaction in staying the same over a period of time. There must be a holy dissatisfaction. God designed man to grow. And he didn't put a limit to how much man. He could have just said be fruitful and it would have been sufficient. He used five different words. Each one increasing in intensity every successive time. Just to tell us how to grow. He's extremely interested in your growth. And he says when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, he does not leave you in Jerusalem. He gets you to the ends of the earth. There must be that understanding that God is not excited about my smallness. He's not. He says, be fruitful, multiply. But it began that journey with instructions and with an instruction to dress and to keep. Steward this place. Steward your wife. Steward these instructions that I've given unto you. And eventually you would have been fruitful. You would have multiplied. You would have replenished the earth. You would have subdued. You would have had dominion. But it begins with stewardship. Stewardship. What's in front of you now? Steward it. Go and give your brothers lunch. Steward it. You go serve them lunch. You steward it. They're about to sell you. You go to Potiphar's house. You steward Potiphar's wife. <laughs> because you preserve the expectation of the master until he returns. He gave you his wife in the morning. Intact. He has gone to work. He must come back. His wife must be intact. You can't be touching her. Alright? His wife must be intact. You steward her. My God did not put you in my care to come and be doing anything stewarded and afterwards he went to the prison he stewarded again and it was on the strength of stewardship he got to the ends of the earth he became the prime minister of the world power at the time on the strength of stewardship hi god will never bring a miracle that he would import into your life he will import a miracle he will begin from what you have what do you have in your hand but you have jettisoned it you have belittled it you have discounted it you have disregarded it what is it among so many eh Five loaves, two fish, it will feed 5,000. It will. It will feed. The challenge is that you don't prioritize. You don't zoom in on that which you have been given. That's the problem. The problem is that you look at what you have and you're like, what is this among so many? Ah, 5,000 people. They will be fed and there will be 12 baskets left. If you will zoom in with thanksgiving on that which you have. He will look at you. What is in your hand? It's a rod. It's enough to kill Pharaoh. It's enough. <laughs> yeah. Just that rod. The same rod you've been using to whack, you know, cows and goats. Sule. You might remember. <laughs> you, you do Sule. Some people cannot get the. You are not there. That <laughs> right? You, you, the same stick. You will use it to part the Red Sea. The same stick. You will turn it to become a snake. The same stick will swallow other snakes. The same stick. Will you drop it in the presence of God? Will you acknowledge that which you have? Stewardship begins with accountability. And accountability begins with counting your ability. What is it that you have? Some people, it's only Russian they can speak, amen? <laughs> but that Russian, it is earning their plenty, what? Money. What is it that you have? Or you have belittled it? I'm just a makeup artist. Eh? It's the face you are making up that matters, oh, Amen? <laughs> Why you say I'm just a? It's because you have also discounted everybody you have made up. Yes. You have discounted them. I'm just a. You just be a makeup artist for you understand what I'm saying. And then you know that one deal can build a house. One deal, one makeup deal. 
will get you a house. You cannot afford to discount that which you have. Can't. Count your ability. And the devil will, I, the devil will, he will smother you, he will bully you, he will make you feel like there is nothing to you. And social media will escalate and aggravate and exaggerate what every other person has. It, it will make it look like what you have is nothing. Where do you want to start from? You see, see your YouTube channel, 30,000, 50,000, 150,000 subscribers. You, you put video for the last <laughs> two views. <laughs> two. <laughs> and the devil just bring it up to your face. I say, you, you can't blow from where to where. Uh, ten lifetimes you will not blow. <laughs> it will continue to grind it into your subconscious. That there's nothing to you. You are too small. It's not your type. There is the seed of greatness in you. There is. Stop it. Stop placing yourself where the devil placed you. Stop it. Remove yourself from that, from that bushel. Get out of there. God said be fruitful. You are saying there's a reason for me to stay small. I don't understand. Sometimes we, we think we are more righteous than God. We think we are, we are more holy than God. We think we are, we are more meek. And humble than God. God says be fruitful. Don't stop there. Multiply. Don't stop there. Replenish. Don't stop there. Subdue. Don't stop there. Have dominion. Until everything is under your feet. Don't stop. Yet you have a very tiny appetite for risk. Who is risk? Do you know what it means for God to see chaos and say and smile? And say let there be light. Do you understand the God you serve? He thrives in chaos. When he enters a chaotic situation, then he's about to manifest the full dimension of his greatness. He's about to say, let there be light. And everything will arrange because God has appeared. Yet you see chaos, you are running. You, say, ah, you, you like everything to be predictable. I don't understand. There is a spirit that hovers upon the face of the waters. Hiya. Can we pray in tongues in the next two minutes and just hover upon the face of our own waters? The waters of our confusion is about to receive direction right now. The waters of, of struggle. Things are just not adding up. For the past four years, you have been stuck in one place. Even if it's the same job, the salary should be increasing. Something should be moving upward. But somehow, you have stayed stagnant for years. 37 years beside the, the, the water of Bethesda. Uh, giving excuses. There's no man. There's no man. There's no man. Can you allow the Holy Ghost brood upon the waters of your life? Things are about to change right now. The cycle is over. The siege is over. The cycle of explanation and excuses and explanation and excuses, it is over. God is about to launch you. God is about to launch you. He is. He is. Be fruitful. Multiply. Replenish the earth. Have dominion. You've got to believe these things about God and about yourself. In Jesus' name we have prayed. You've got to believe these things about God and about yourself. You think God will make you in his image and after his likeness and there will be nothing to you? What do you call the image and likeness of God? What do you think it is? It's just a chip in the phone. Is that what you think it is? The essence of God. Not a shade lower. The very essence of God placed inside of you. As the algorithm and the software to run your life on. Yet you say, no, there's not much to me. The God of the universe, the creator of the ends of the earth, he's your father and he has subsumed himself into your heart. You've got to believe these things. The beginning of your greatness starts from counting your ability. 
That's the beginning of accountability. You count your ability. The widow of Zarephath, she was packing sticks, expected to bake the last piece of cake herself and her son, and just hoping to die, looking forward to death. Hiya. And then Elijah looked at her and said, give me what you have. You see, that's, you see, that's just the paradox of the anointing. The paradox of the anointing is that he will never make you feel like the victim. Oh, dear God. The anointing will not say, oh, you need help. Let me come and help me. He will say, you still have strength where you are. Give me something. And she's like, you mean I can still give? In this death situation, in this crisis moment, I still have the capacity to give? Me? I said, do my own first. Ah, I can give. Okay, let me give you. Hey! And then she went and made something to give. Oh, dear God. And that thing did not dry up. Because she gave. God did not say, ah, you need, okay, that's your last meal. Okay, eat it. Don't worry, I'll go and bring help from somewhere. He will begin from your house. What do you have? And when you say, he that is faithful in little, that little starts in your own corridor. It starts in your room. It starts in your corner. What do you have? You can write. That writing. That thing. That very thing. Don't belittle it. Don't. Because we, we, it's, 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 it's the disease of familiarity. You've lived all your life with yourself. You don't, you don't, what's the, what, what, I don't have much. I, I can talk, eh, but what's the big deal there I can talk? Ah, it's a weapon of war. It's the jawbone of an ass. Don't belittle it. Don't, don't. It's the disease of familiarity. You're so familiar with yourself. You don't even count yourself to be anything special anymore. You have lived so long with yourself. You're like, it's no big deal. There is a big deal. If you see the way the angels are drooling over what you have, to which of the angels has he called my son? To which of them has he addressed as a son? He calls you a son every day. Angels are looking to look. They are trying to look at the letter he's writing to you. They can't see. They have a closed page. They are Uriahs. He gives them a closed letter. Go and deliver it to my son. Are they not ministering spirits? Sends to minister to them that shall be called the heirs of salvation. He gives them closed letters to deliver to you. And they cannot open it. And they, they are trying to see what is inside. They can't. It is not for them. But it is for you. Yet with all the angelic ministrations, with all the host of the arsenal of covenants and oracles and promises that you have in God's word, yet you still find a way. It has to be a miracle how you have stayed small. It has to be. How you have condensed everything God has placed inside your spirit and you have, you have kept it small. We need to break the barriers of little thinking, small thinking, small mindedness. You need to break that barrier. When God looks at you, he's seen the ends of the earth. Don't see Jerusalem alone. He's seen the ends of the earth. Stop thinking small. Break the barriers. Spread. Let us see the father who will come and stop you. Let's see the father of the person. God called you by his name. Placed his surname on your forehead. Paul said, let no man trouble me henceforth. I have no business explaining myself to anybody. Let no man trouble for I be up top of my body. The mark of the Lord Jesus Christ. So everything in the environment understands what you represent. Everything. 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 But you, you are the last person to get the memo. I be on my body. The mark. Everything understands what you represent. Everything. But you. There is so much to you. So much. So much to you. Don't sell yourself short. Don't. So much to you. There is greatness on your inside. And social media is one of the biggest undoing in our generation. Because we wake up thinking that there is more excitement going on outside of us than inside of us. If you can just have a peep into the dimensions of the spirit inside of you, you, you don't have enough eternity to be bored. 
You don't understand. If there was no social media in this world, and all you had to do is just peep into the dimensions of your spirit and observe the things that have been written in the volume of books concerning your life, you don't have enough time to be bored. You don't have it. Boredom is an indicator of the lack of fellowship with eternity. That, that's boredom. It's an indicator that you are not fellowshipping with the dimension. See, there is no boredom. There is no possibility for boredom in eternity. You don't understand. The... the <laughs> The angels and 24 elders, every single moment of their existence, they are bowing, not out of boredom. There is a dimension they are seeing every day for the rest of eternity that will never stop to unfold because of the greatness of this our God. And this God rendezvous in your spirit and you say you are bored. And then the world gives you a caricature, a, a falsehood, and tells you this is excitement, this is entertainment, this is fun, this is awesome, this is glorious, this is amazing. And then you buy that lie. And you make your life all about chasing after these hedonistic pleasures. There is a lot more to you. There is a lot more to you. There is a lot more to you. You need to dress up today. You need to. What are the three things that God gives us to steward? Three things. Every single one of us has those three things. Every one of us. Every one of us. Everyone. <laughs> Every one of us has those three things. Nobody has it more than another person. Everybody has it. God will never judge you on the strength of what another person has more than you. There is equity with God. God is equitable. God is fair. He's just. He's given us all these three things. But you can grow in your capacity to manage these three things. The first thing it gives all of us is time. The second thing it gives us is energy. And the last thing it gives us is other people's time and energy. <laughs> yeah. The highest level of productivity is on that third level. When you have, you see, but you can't get to that third level if you have not mastered your time and your energy. When other people now commit their time and energy to what you have been given a vision to steward, then that is the highest level of manifestation of the Godhead in your life. Where people are not only seeing you for what you are able to do in your life, but what you are able to make them into, which is the dimension of leadership. And so all we have in this world is time, is energy, and all that boost time and energy. Anyone who has been able to do anything great, renowned, supernatural, amazing, he did it through the effort of other people. He couldn't have done it all by himself. And so one of the things you have as a resource is other people's time and energy. But for you to be able to use other people's time and energy, you need to be a leader. You need to be someone who can steward and manage effectively. For people to see that, see, with you, I have more potential than me by myself. There is capacity for you to turn me into something that I couldn't turn myself into. And so they submit their time and their energy to you to wield under the strength of the Holy Spirit. And so if you are here and it is other things that plan your time, e.g. social media, you cannot even begin to scratch the surface of stewardship. Did you hear what I said? So you wake up and it's social media that has given you your schedule for the day. Because there is a video that will last two hours. And once you start, you will not stop. You, you will finish the video. And there are things left undone on your table. You must be someone who is able to say no. If you optimize your time, the rate of explosive productivity that you will generate in the next three years, it will shock you. It will shock you because productivity over time has continued to reduce. In fact, I don't know if it has gone below the x-axis right now. Because social media has taken up the bulk of space of thinking time. That people could have used to invent new things. 
So instead of thinking, because there is power in just being by yourself and thinking. That's where you sharpen the razor of your capacity to resolve problems. That is where you, you, you sharpen that razor. Your, your, your cutting edge capacity to problem solve. It comes in solitude. It doesn't come in the noise. It comes in solitude. But we've, we don't know how to be quiet again. We don't know how to be quiet. Right now, there is, a, there is a trend on TikTok. Just to show this evidence. There is a trend on TikTok called silent walk. It's a trend. It's a full-blown trend. What is the trend? Go out without airports, without uh, any form of distraction. No music, no podcast, nothing, no dog, nothing. Just go out by yourself. A lady was explaining what this thing is. And she said, the first time she tried it, she almost went into anxiety and, and panic. I'm like, so obviously, perhaps in the last five years of her life, she had not been quiet. So it became a trend, and people were jumping on it because it was like, wow, this is so refreshing. Ah, wow. They've not been alone in years. <laughs> so other people from anywhere in the world, they will feed them into their feed, into their notification bar, and that is their to-do for that day. You need to know the amount of billions, or maybe not billions now, but I, don't, I, I, I got the stat at some point. The number of videos uploaded on YouTube every single day, it will, it will alarm you. And they're getting watched. And the ones that were there before are still getting watched. And the ones that will be uploaded tomorrow will still get watched. These materials, if they were not put there, the time that was used to watch them, what would it have been deployed into? Think about it. Don't be a reactor to someone else's automation. Don't, 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 don't be a reactor to someone else's automation. I will put this thing out and people will go there. How about you have a plan for your life? Plan your time. Plan it. I'll read this book. I'll get on this journal. I'll write this article. I'll speak to this person. I'll mentor this boy. And that is why, even though everybody seems connected on social media, we are more apart than we've ever been as a generation. When, when was the last time? I mean, mentorship used to be a big deal back then. You felt like a failure if you didn't have a mentor. Even though, of course, some things were taken to extremes and stuff, but boy... Many of our lives were spared because a mentor showed up. Some people may not be mentored. They may not even see the shape of a mentor for the first 25 years of their lives. Because, I mean, who cares? Everybody will be, will be fine. Will sort yourself out. There is an expectation of the Father on your life. And he expects that you use your time for that purpose. Because all we have at the end of the day is time. That's all we have. Your energy is everything you can do with your time. That's your energy. Everything you can do, your talent, your gift, that's your energy. Whatever you can do with your time is your energy. And whatever your energy combining with your time is able to produce, that's your value. Whatever your energy is able to produce combined with your time is your value. And then if you are able to now scale beyond that and use other people's time and, value, or time and energy, which is their value, and deploy it to a good cause, boy then you're living the life. At that rate, you can get to the ends of the earth. But if it's at the rate of just your time and your value, there is a pace you can move with that you can't really gather momentum. Because you are just one person. You are limited in, in your three-dimensional form. So leadership is still the highest technology that God has ever created. Still the highest technology. Because with leadership, I can replicate my effect across board at the same time. I don't have to be everywhere. But with leadership and a solid structure, I can replicate my effect across board. Because I'm able to deploy other people's time and energy. So if you are the kind of person that you are not 
keen on people management. You have limited how far you can grow. So I'm not really a people person like that. I'm a software guy. I just like codes and automated stuff. See, let's just see. No, nobody is going to argue with me if I, the code does not argue. I put the right code, it will work. If it doesn't work, I debug. I get the right way to get it done, and I move on. And that's how you notice most software guys, they're not the most people-centric. And, and that's fine, right, for a level, because there's a level of growth that is called the horizontal career growth. I shared this on my, on my Instagram some time ago. So there are two ways to grow in your career. You can grow horizontally or you can grow vertically. Horizontally, it is consolidating on your skill and your technical capacity. That is what you learned in school, accounting, software engineering, back-end development, UI, UX, all those things. You grow in those things and you are, you are increasing your breadth, your bandwidth to accommodate all kinds of tasks within that sphere. Within that area, you are increasing, you are spreading horizontally. So when people need services and then there is a limit to what somebody else's expertise around them can do, they will recommend you because you have breath. You can handle all kinds of tasks as far as that job is concerned. But there is a limitation to that because you are at a certain level and you are just a disruption away from being eliminated from the ecosystem. Just one disruption away. Imagine there is an you know, app or software or innovation that is created and disrupts that entire layer of contribution in the value chain in a particular industry. So that which you have spent all your years of studying university to, to gain mastery on and gain expertise in and all that, one API comes and it destroys the entire need to hire you. What happens to you at that point? Then you have to go look for another horizontal plane to begin again. And that's the limitation of the horizontal pathway to growth in your career. But there is a vertical pathway. In this pathway, right, you are scaling positions beyond what you are expert in. You are scaling positions of leadership. Because vertically, there has to be people under you. It's like a pyramid. There has to be people under you. So if you are not good with managing the productivity of other people, there is a limit to how you can climb vertically. And there are some people, because they are so good, but they are terrible with people, they stay on the same level of expertise for a long time. They keep increasing their salary, but they will never promote them. Because guess what? If I have five people who are good developers, five people, good developers. In fact, this guy is the best developer of all the five, but he's terrible with people. What happens is that if I need somebody to optimize the productivity of the team, I won't choose him. Because if I choose him, he's great with developing the code, and he's fast and all of that. But he doesn't know how to get his people motivated to do a job. So he will get on the job, he will give them instructions, he doesn't understand their context, individualized consideration, zero, inspirational leadership, zero, motivation, zero, so he just tells you to do what you do, he doesn't have that touch, that personal touch. So they will not be motivated, they're like, what will you do if you don't do it, what will you do? And then he looks at them, why are you guys, no, you're delaying me, you're delaying me, but because he can do it, he'll carry their work, put it on his desk and begin to do it. So the thing that he was literally promoted to make happen, which is optimize time, timelines, resources, he now be becomes the real reason why the thing is not done. So he carries all of their work, puts it on his desk because he can, and then he would extend timelines and ex extend deliverables. And then it will not still be well done because he's now one person doing five people's jobs. And then the four remaining guys are not being optimized, and none of them will say thank you to him in the future because he never grew them. And so over time, the management will realize that he's not leading well. So let's bring him back to where he was. He was very efficient as a non-leader. Because he was really good. He's really good. He, he's not, he has not stopped being good. But he cannot scale vertically. He's trapped in that zone. And anything can happen and disrupt that entire ecosystem. And he's not able to. So I'm speaking to my tech bros now. They're receiving correction. <laughs> it's not enough to be able to just punch stuff. You must be able to see. There, there is no 17th industrial revolution that can eliminate man. 
Did you hear what I said? But skills can be eliminated. Skills can be removed. Technical qualities can be replaced by an app, a machine, a robot. But there will never, because everything those machines are supposed to do is to make life easier for man. Man is still the, is still the center of every revolution. So if you can manage men, you are one that can never be eliminated from the ecosystem. The value chain will still have a place for you at all dispensations. So it is not enough to just be able to manage your time and your energy. You must be able to manage other people and their time and their energy in a way that they are willing to let you manage it. Amen. So everything we've been learning about leadership, it's not just for the church. Hey, in fact, the application is sweeter outside the church. You will see real applicative context outside the church than even in the context of the church because you are here just one day in a week and the other day is online. <laughs> so exactly which context are you using to manifest everything we have been teaching? Do you gather your, your, your unit members and say, let me, let me teach you the five laws of leadership? Is that what you do? Especially if you are not a leader in the house, what, where exactly are you going to manifest everything we have, we have been talking about? It's in your business. It's in your workplace. It's in your house. It's in your day-to-day. -day. That is where to manifest them. In stewardship, you steward your time, you steward your energy. And you steward other people. But that is a graduation from doing the first two pretty well. Praise the name of the Lord. So ask yourself, what are the abilities that I have? Count it. Then begin to use those abilities in the context of time and produce value that humanity cannot deny. Hone that skill at an incredibly high level and possess it excellently because excellence is possessing a good quality at an unusually high degree. This is where I'll be stopping today and we'll pick it up from there next week by the grace of God. Amen. So, but there's an exercise, right? When you get home. And several exercises that I've been given, I hope you've been doing it. Because I won't come and ask you, come and submit your assignment. <laughs> All right? But you, you must understand the importance of what I'm telling you to do. It's for your good. So when you get home, if you can write as many as 200, write it. Count your ability. Count it. We've not started talking about how to manage your ability. We're still talking about counting. Just even start back. Because you can only measure what you're aware of. You can only track what you measure. You can only report what you have produced something with. All of them are linked. So you need to know what you have. Even as, as vain as your beauty, count it. It's not vain, it's a weapon of war too. Go and ask Esther the queen. She'll tell you, it's powerful. So everybody looks at you and says, fine girl, fine girl. You get angry. I don't understand. Why are you angry? <laughs> so you want to do, you just war, war. You don't even know how to dig B. So when, when they say that, will you be happy? Because I don't know why ladies sometimes get upset. <laughs> Fine girl, babe. I did not say she respond to I did not say she respond to that. <laughs> because that's very barbaric for, for guys to do that. But you get my point, right? Count it. Count it. Someone says, ah, well, your, your smile is really nice. Audition for a dental uh, model. <laughs> okay? Count it. Just count it. And you to shock you how that God never placed any gift to be redundant. Not one. There is no meaningless, pointless, purposeless gifting he has put inside of you. None, not one. The same way there is no cell that is just redundant, that is, <laughs> that is just loafing around in your body. The cell is just chilling. So there is no work today. He's chewing, he's chewing stick or, or toothpick. 
There's no cell that is redundant. Every single dimension of your body is connected and they are working every day. While you are sleeping, they are still working. In the same vein, there is no gift that God placed inside of you that is designed to be redundant. Not one. So, whatever you have been able to count that you have not been using, look for how to use it. But don't, see, don't think money first. Think value first. So, when you count it and you see where it leads in terms of meeting needs, then serve it. Serve it. Nobody goes to a fruitless tree and get excited about it. Jesus curses trees that don't bear fruits. You've got to have something you are serving humanity with. And if you're no longer serving humanity with it, there will be no use for your tree anymore. Then he curses you and says, let something else come and take this space. I don't have time for redundant trees. So whatever it is in, in, your, you know, in your environment, in your life, it could even be a relationship that you, have count, you can count relationships to. Do you realize? Count it. Count it. That is where accountability begins. Counting your ability. And that's where God told <laughs> God told God told Adam dress and keep it. That's where the title came up from anyways. The dress up. So let's pray. Let's pray. Let's ask God to, to engrace us. We are too loaded to still stay small. We are too loaded. Let there be a holy dissatisfaction. Let there be a holy you know, desire to be more. That, you know what? I'm tired of just this status quo. There's got to be more than this. Do you remember that song? Back on earth, can you help me with it? Tired, tired of school. Yeah. More than this. Yeah. It's gotta be more. It's gotta be more. It's gotta be more than this. Yeah. Desperate people do desperate things and we're pressing in. It's gotta be more. Gotta be more. It's gotta be more. One more time. I'm tired of the status quo. That should be your prayer today. There's gotta be more than this. There's gotta be more. There's gotta be more. Gotta be more. Oh. There's gotta be more than this. Desperate people, desperate people do desperate things and we're pressing It's gotta be more, gotta be more, gotta be more, gotta be more than this. Father, we thank you for today's teaching. We ask that we're established in this truth and in all righteousness in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Park Wayne Tribe.